Amen. Well, I am excited to continue our series called Christmas Ornaments. Uh, If you guys have not hung up your Christmas decorations yet, what is wrong? Why have we not done that? I mean, my family, we set ours up the second week in November because if you're going to spend all that time up in the attic, you might as well enjoy it for a few weeks. I mean, at this point in time, let's just set up for next year, right? If you've set up your Christmas ornaments, you know that there are certain ornaments that you keep around because they have great meaning for you. They remind you of a time, they remind you of an experience, they remind you of a person, or they remind you of a value. And during these few weeks here in December at Desert Springs, we are reminding ourselves of the values that Christmas, uh, that that Christmas causes us to remember, that Christmas proclaims. And today we're talking about compassion. Compassion is uh, something that we love to see, we love to experience, and it is directly from the heart of God. In fact, in Psalm 103, it says, speaking of God, he forgives all of your iniquity and heals all disease. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things Your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all of the oppressed. This is the word of the Lord. As a church family, we believe that God's compassion spills out onto us, that we are bound together by the love of grace of God made known to us through Jesus Christ. And one of the key markers of a person who lives in light of that truth is compassion. Just as we have experienced the compassion of God, so too We are to live that compassion. We are to live compassionately. So I'm excited today. We've got uh, a little change up for you, a little something out of the ordinary. Uh, In just a moment, uh, some friends of mine are going to come and share about a ministry that they serve with in Uganda. I'm excited for them to share, but we have been connected to uh, the church in Uganda for many years. As, uh, as Desert Springs Bible Church, we have uh, done many trips to Uganda. In fact, one of the key partners that we have that serve in Uganda is Watoto. And I wanted to encourage you to join us the night of December 29th at 7 o'clock. The Watoto Children's Choir is going to be here in the house. It's 7 o'clock the 29th. And so here's the jam. On Sunday the 29th, We are having, uh, in that morning, instead of our normal services, we are having uh, a day of prayer. And so we're going to be open all morning uh, for you to come and join us in this space for prayer. And then that evening, at 7 o'clock, December 29th, that evening here in this room, uh, we're going to worship together with the Watoto Children's Choir. We would love for you to join us for that as we worship together uh, with that choir. Uh, but today, I want to share with you, uh, some, uh, actually my, some friends of mine are going to share with you stories of compassion, how they've seen the compassion of God at work in Uganda. And so I'm going to ask David and Abby, who serve with a ministry called A Perfect Injustice, I'm actually, we're going to uh, hear from them for the majority of our remaining time this morning. Would you welcome them this morning? Thank you so much for having us. Uh, Abby and I uh, serve with the Perfect Injustice, and we have been in Uganda uh, working and working alongside the lives of the, of the people that we serve there for the last 10 years. And if there's anything I can say about that time is that God has been completely and utterly good and faithful. 
we have seen incredible evil during our work in Uganda, but yet we continue to see God do amazing things in the lives of the people that we serve. Uh, and there's nothing more beautiful than a life transformed for Christ. Um, David and I have been serving in, in Uganda together for the last 11 years, and we have worked with really amazing children, but children that have gone through a lot of trauma. We've worked primarily with children on the streets, as well as children that have been trafficked for sex and child sacrifice, children in conflict with the law, children in prison, children that have been abandoned, children that have gotten lost from their family, um, and children that um, are ending up getting referred to police um, and look for a, a home. And we, as we've been serving these children that have fallen through the cracks, we've noticed that um, they're coming from families that are all dealing with the same issues. They're coming from broken families that are um, with divorce, illiteracy, poverty, alcoholism, witchcraft, and domestic violence. And we had been working with these children and just feeling like we were putting the pieces of their lives back together. And um, especially on the, treats, on the streets, just seeing when kids went there, um, that they just their lives, you know, with all the evil there, it just got so quickly worse. And as we have been based in the capital city of Kampala, um, it's a developing city, and uh, we saw a lot of nonprofits begin working with that same very small target group of kids, but we realized there was so many suffering children getting pulled from these really remote areas that nobody was helping. And so we felt like God was telling us um, that the next stage of our ministry, ministry was to... Um, to shift from an emergency relief response to a strategic preventative response to going to finding the most remote, um, impoverished area that we could and to begin working with families there so that all the children there, boys and girls, could have a better quality of life and not end up in these really desperate situations. So over two years ago, we began praying and doing the research um, as to where that area should be. Where should we move to to begin a new program? And we felt like God was calling us to an area called Chibari. And it is very poor. Um, 96% of the farmers there are sustenance farmers. The first season that we were there, they were getting three cents for a shelled pound of corn. Most of them are, are renting the hut they live in, even the fields that they're digging in by hand. Um, the fields are around $35 a season to rent. So most families can't even rent a full acre to sell corn on. Um, so they are very poor. Illiteracy is very high. Only 0.3% of women have finished high school. Uh, Uganda is number two in the world, according to UNICEF, at child marriage, estimated at 40%. In our area, it's much higher than 40% of girls getting married before 18. Um, Alcoholism in this area is very rampant. Uganda is also number two in Africa for alcoholism. Um, and, and so there's just a lot of physical need out there. We had also prayed, God, we want to go to an area where there's physical need, but we also want to be a light for you. Take us to an area where there's a spiritual need as well. And so when we went out to Chibale, um, God completely answered that prayer request. We um, we're, we settled into an area and we quickly found out that there was a lot of witchcraft there. This area, there is witchcraft, there's even cannibalism still being practiced, and child sacrifice. And the, actually, the land that we purchased um, 
we had only been there a few weeks and we, I got a call from David. He had just found out that there was a shrine on our land that people was very well known. People would travel to, to, to have sacrifices on and to worship false gods. And so um, he had heard that everyone knew about it, but the belief was it could not be burned. And if anybody tried to destroy it, that they would die. So David called me. He's like, hey, babe, I just want you to know I'm coming home late. I'm like, why? He's like, well, I just found out we have a shrine on our land. So I'm going to burn it down. And um, everyone's saying I'll die, but I'm sure I know I'll be fine. And I'll see you when I get home. So, um, you know, we found out with a little gasoline, anything can burn down. And obviously, he's fine. <laughs> uh, but that was a great um, testimony to the power of Jesus Christ as, you know, a good introduction to the community. Um, so as we were working, uh, as we were moving there, we recognized that these families are going through a lot. As they had just said, these women, these men, these children are going out into the fields every day in the sun, digging. They're walking really far to get to fetch water. They're getting sick. They don't have medicine. There's no health centers there. There is no schools there. Um, and so these women are living really, really hard lives. And we know that the only thing that can give them lasting change, hope, encouragement, and salvation is Jesus Christ. And so we started a program centered around the Word of God, um, teaching these women the Bible, showing them the love of Christ, and telling them the good news. Um, we partnered with local churches in the area, and we told them, hey, we want to have a life, a life skill and a Bible study um, Every Wednesday, do you have some women from your church that would be interested in coming? And so they sent some ladies, and we started our programs one and a half years ago. We had uh, about 35 women come the first couple of weeks, and now a year and a half uh, later, we have 400 women coming every week. Um, it has been just, <laughs> praise God. Um, God is just, he's been moving so powerfully in this area. We have seen many women come to know and proclaim Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Um, to stand up in this group, even some women from a background of cults, traditional beliefs, as well as um, former Muslims. And um, these programs, there's uh, not, these women are caring for 902 boys and 800 girls at home. So we believe in working with these moms. We have been working with these children coming from these vulnerable families. And we know the only person, the person that loves and cares for and is going to fight for these children more than anyone else is their mother. And so these programs have been um, Really, as we're teaching them the word of God, we start in praise and worship, then we go into prayer, then we have a devotion. After the devotion, we have a life skill. And we've been trying to tackle those areas that we've been seeing with families in the past that have been challenges for them and have been disrupting the home, um, as well as ones that are unique to the community. For instance, alcoholism, like most villages in Uganda, is very high. And when we came there, we found out there was a belief that when a woman was pregnant, the more alcohol she drank while pregnant, the more beautiful her baby would be. And so one of our first trainings we did was on fetal alcohol syndrome. And we taught them about how it affects the baby, the science behind it, some pictures, and then, you know, how it affects the brain, behavior, even some of the facial characteristics. And so as we were training, three different ladies held up their children. Obviously, we did not tell them to do this. Um, they were like, I, guys, I did that. I drank a ton. Look at my baby. Everything they're saying is true. And 
even three weeks later, we had many women come back and give us testimony that they had been going out into their communities and sharing with other women about why it wasn't good to drink alcohol when you're pregnant. And so the, these programs, we've just been seeing incredible fruit in these women's lives and have been really encouraged um, by their, you know, their feedback they're giving us on how Christ is really helping to encourage their heart. We first were talking about trauma, abuse. We used my dad, Stephen Tracy's um, trainings um, and material. He had made uh, mending the soul, caring for the vulnerable child, um, as well as talking about parenting and marriage, um, and then moving on to healthcare, nutrition, and other topics. And the feedback has just been that they've been finding so much healing in their relationships, more peace at home, and that God is really um, making a difference in their lives. You can go to the next slide. Um, these women's lives is really hard, and it, uh, for a woman, not being able to vi- provide for your children is, is devastating to work so hard every day, and then you can't feed them enough food, you can't clothe them, they're not in school, they get sick, and you can't um, give them medicine, it's hard. And so we've been working on um, doing empowerment projects with these winning, women, tra- training them, for instance, on these rabbits, so we did a, th- a three-week training on rabbit keeping and then taught them how to make those hutches using um, the same methods they use for building their mud huts. And we taught them, you know, the dimensions. Once they made those rabbit hutches, like the upper left, they did a really amazing job, by the way. Um, then they received their three startup um, ra- starter rabbits. You can see there we did um, a really high quality breed that doesn't get sick easily, that will, they can be able to care for, get meat from, and be able to sell once they have babies. Um, We also had a medical camp. We've had two. Um, Our last one was in November, and we saw 1,600 people in five days, and 12 people came to um, accepted Christ during that time. It was really an exciting week. Um, And from those medical camps, we have been able to identify that malnutrition is a huge issue with 75% of the kids there estimated by the doctors being malnourished. So we've been training them about nutrition and empowering them to plant nutritious plants so that they can be eating them within their homes. And um, these women are just so amazing. They have nothing and they work so hard for their kids. And when they have something, they are so grateful for it and they take such good care of it. We gave them one packet of carrots and one packet of onions, one mango seedling, and they just did. They were so, they were such good stewards of it. And then they were so generous to give the knowledge and then to give it to other people. This lady up here on the upper right, those onions, um, remember she got one packet of seeds, she gave them to us. And I, Every, t- they, every time we do that, we do home visits every week, and they're always showering us with their food. And, I, and our hearts, um, I, we work with other Ugandan social workers. We always are like, don't give us your food. You'll need it. Um, but they just are like, no, if I give it to you, I know God will bless me, and I want to bless you. And they give it to each other. You can go to the next slide. Oh, the bottom left, we also distributed Bibles to all the women that are literate in their local languages. And this year, we're going to be training them, continuing to have small groups so that they can um, be starting them in their home areas. Um, These women walk from a huge area um, radius. Some are walking 10 miles one way um, to come to our, uh, to come to this Bible study. So we're really trying to focus this next year on equipping them to go out into their communities, their neighbors and their families um, to share the good news of Christ with them. And also the other things they're learning in the life skills. You can go to the next slide. 
Um, and it's been uh, so just challenging and has helped just really spoken to me, the incredible strength, generosity, um, forgiveness, and mercy of these women. They um, have so little, yet they are so helpful to each other. They give to each other. This lady here is named Mary, and when we went to visit her for our home visit, um, we always ask the women, we document it, you know, how are you doing? What are your victories? What are your challenges? How is your marriage? How can I pray for you? And then we pray for them. Um, when we asked her, Mary, what is the dream that you have for your life? She said, you know, my dream is that my children, you can see her kids, um, would one day be like other children, that they could live in a house with a door and go to school. And we asked her, what are you grateful for? And she was grateful for her husband who watched her kids so she could come to the Bible studies, um, which is unusual there and she and then she said you know the thing I'm most grateful for is the gift of life um, so many people die but I'm alive God has given me the gift of life and I'm grateful for that um, and after we prayed with her and we're leaving all she had in this hut um, which she didn't own by the way she's um, renting it was that pot on the left that's her kitchen they sleep on a mat they have no furniture that's about half the house right there they all sleep together um, she had one basket of beans, and as we were leaving, she picked it up, and it was all of their beans for the whole family. She poured almost all of it into my purse, and I, in my purse, I had my wallet, and I had my cell phone, and I realized, you know what? She's pouring. I have more possessions and wealth in my purse, on my body, than she has an entire household in this entire house, and yet she has given more sacrificially in this moment than I have ever given in my life. Um, and so, yeah, that these women, God has given these amazing, um, yeah, that they're just amazing, and they have these talents, and it's cool to see how when you give them something small, that how they, how they just multiply it. And go to the next slide. Unfortunately, child sacrifice is still very rampant in Uganda. People will go to witch doctors, um, and some, but not all witch doctors, will ask for the body part of uh, C-H-I-L-D, I see some in here, um, and that if they have that, then they will be able to put a charm on it and it will give the client power and, and success um, in their businesses. And so there's a demand for it. And of course, these children are being taken from remote places like ours because when children go missing here or if a woman is attacked or if anything happens, they can't go to the police. The police will ask them for money to fuel their vehicle to see and they don't have that money. And so um, it goes unreported, and so it's a very vulnerable area. These kids aren't in school. Moms can't babysit, and they're working all day. Um, and so as we've been with these women for the last year and a half, we've seen two children um, go missing for child sacrifice. And both of those children um, were found, and I truly believe it was from the prayers of uh, of the parents. And one of them was Owen on the lower left. His grandmother is Miriam on the upper left and then on the right. Many Ugandan grandmothers care for grandchildren. Um, she's a sustenance farmer. She grows corns and peanuts. And she is taking care of four grandchildren, feeding them, clothing them, and caring for herself. She is amazing. She's also a leader at her local church. She's evangelist. She comes early to our programs every single week and prays over them for the women there. Um, her child, her grandchild, Owen, went missing one day and was lured on the back of a motorcycle with the promise of a soda. He went and he was taken about an hour away, an hour drive away to a hut. He was taken inside. He was given a soda. And afterwards, there was a 
N-A-I-L put through his foot so that he would be unable to escape. Um, And so then they locked him in the hut and he was there for a really long time. And he started to get hungry. So he, you know, limped over and started going through the bags. There was a lot of junk in this hut and he opened one and there was an H-E-A-D in one of the bags. And that scared him so much that that would happen to him that he clawed a hole in the side of the hut and ran away. And he hid in the bushes for two weeks. He didn't know who he could trust. So when he saw people, he would hide himself until finally someone that knew Miriam and recognized him saw the boy. He ran from that person, so they brought Miriam, who brought that boy home. You can go to the next slide. Um, Miriam told us after he had come home, we didn't even know he'd gone missing, um, but we asked her in the programs, hey, we didn't see you the last two weeks. Like, what's going on? And she told us, oh, I just got my grandson back and all this stuff happened. And so we immediately went to go see him. And um, he was severely traumatized, you can see from the picture. And so we've been working to counsel his family, counsel Owen. Um, he was incredibly afraid of the dark. So we provided solar units for the family, um, for their house, padlock for the door, an animal project to help them get some of those basic needs. And he's doing a little bit better today, but you know that's not something you'll ever get over. And so um, many of these women are also missing their teenagers. We have about 22 of them who've had teenagers run away from home, usually around 13, 14, that they've never seen um, since, just the women from our programs. And so um, we just feel like this work is so important um, of to continue to protect these families, to give them the tools that they need to protect their children. And um, we've also been training these women on how to talk to their children about stranger danger, how to protect their bodies, self-defense, um, and just to give them strength. Miriam is not afraid of what happened. Witchcraft has increased in our area. There was a new witch doctor that moved in, actually really close to her. She marched there with her pastor um, to his house. They broke his totem, telling people he was a witch doctor, and told him, in the name of Jesus Christ, you're gonna leave. And he's like, no, I'm not. And he did, he left after two weeks, and he's never come back. (laughs) Um, Um, as well as there was items taken to a shrine and bewitched and the people began throwing them around the village and across from the dirt path in front of Miriam's house was thrown into a group of children and she went there and they just they all became um, possessed and were running around when she heard it she marched over there um, and prayed it and interceded over them and the spirits left and um, so so yeah, so that's a little bit about what's going on in our women's program and the amazing women there. <laughs> I don't want to take all your time. I'll we'll give it back to David. <laughs> yeah, uh, as passionate as, as we are about working with women in, uh, in our community, we're equally passionate with working with young men and the men in our community. As a matter of fact, in uh, January 2018, we began a vocational program for the young men. Uh, and this brought it, we brought in the first set of kids that are all former street children. Actually, when Caleb visited the, the other last few years ago, he met with some of these young men. But yeah, um, they came in into the vocational program and they have, it's been going great. Uh, God brought, brought the program right when we needed it. These young men were growing up into... Uh, moving into adulthood and so the vocational program has really been very powerful in transforming their lives and many of them have given their lives to christ it's been a huge blessing um next slide um 
yeah, one of the young men that we're working with is Dison. He has a very wonderful story. Uh, he was uh, in Juvie. He came to us. Uh, but God has been doing amazing things in his life. Um, he's grown so much spiritually. He loves the Lord. He is a very like a good, hard worker. And he's physically strong. And yet he's the most compassionate uh, young man that I've ever worked with. He loves the Lord. He's kind and generous. He's just uh, amazing. And you can imagine from his story to where God has brought him now. Um, yeah, we just want to say thank you so much for having us today. Uh, may God richly bless you. So, um, you know, totally randomly, I was just having a couple questions that I wanted to bring up. So, totally, <laughs> we, random. totally randomly. So we are sending a team from Desert Springs to visit with y'all and uh, support what you're doing in Uganda in uh, the summer of 2020. And we do have a few spots left. Is there any uh, like particular vocation or skill set that would be helpful to what you're doing there that maybe someone even in this room might be like, man, I could do that and I might want to go on the trip. Yes. Um, two, we didn't mention it, but we do have a dream of starting a school in this community for all the children that are not able to go to school. And we're hoping to start a literacy program um, around the middle of 2020 and to then transition that into the school and to hire a teacher and to have um, some other supporting people with that person um, to be running it. And the whole reason we want to start a school is there's not one, but also education, education in Uganda um, is really not good. And so we'll hire a teacher, but we feel like there's a lot of knowledge um, that is given to teachers in America that they, someone could be able to pass on um, to that head teacher to just kind of coach them on things that they weren't able to receive in Uganda. So if someone's a teacher, a teacher who could coach or has teaching experience, who could coach a teacher <laughs> yep. in your area. Yes. And that we could would be even, a good fit. Yes. That would be a good yep. fit for this trip. That would be an amazing fit for this trip. Hint. <laughs> so if Hint. you're a teacher, <laughs> yes. Also, we are needing a video. Um, and we're really needing a very specific video to capture something very specific. Um, that's on our heart to share. We are the we we know nothing. Like we don't even know how to use an iPhone. Um, so we're really needing. <laughs> if if someone knows how to take good video and put it together, that is a big need that we have. So two things, specific uh, skill sets that would be helpful to y'all when we go in July of next year. If there's a teacher or a videographer, someone who knows how to do video, who could participate in the trip, help you guys put that together, that'd be a a help to y'all. Yes. Cool. Well, we'll pray towards that end. Ladies and gentlemen, would you give it up for David and Abby? Thank you, guys. Yeah, so what we want to do now, just as we kind of close out, um, I want to read again the text that I read at the top and just give a couple of thoughts for us uh, as before we dismiss. So I want you to hear these words, and I want you to see how it all pieces together, even thinking through what you heard from David and Abby. This is speaking of God. He forgives all of our iniquity, and he heals all our diseases. 
And he redeems your life from the pit. And he crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. And your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all of the oppressed. In this text, we see held together the compassion, the love, and the grace of God, as well as his commitment to, as it says here, execute acts of righteousness and justice for all of the oppressed. As a church family, we believe that Jesus teaches us to model that type of behavior in our lives as well. Not only to give thanks to God for the compassion that he has shown to us that we have received, but also to be a people who exhibit compassion to others. So what I'm gonna ask you to do is is twofold. Number one, uh, last week we started something, uh, today we're gonna continue it, and that is our tree in the lobby. Uh, We are hanging, we're making custom ornaments, we're writing things down to remind us and we're hanging them on the tree so that every time that we walk past that tree in the lobby, we're reminded of how God has been at work in our lives. Last week, we put the names of people who uh, introduced us to Jesus on those ornaments and put them on the tree. This week, as we dismiss here in just a moment, out in the lobby, there's stations with ornaments that look just like this. I'm gonna ask that you would grab one. And on that ornament, would you write down a brief, uh, uh, just a note about how you have experienced compassion, how you have been the recipient of compassion. And as you write that down, just give thanks to God for it. And as you hang it on the tree, let it serve as a reminder, an ornament to the value of compassion as you've experienced it. And the second thing is this, much more than a reminder, much more than an ornament. My question to you is, as you listen to David and Abby, Some of us are called to go to places like Uganda to live the compassion of Jesus. But all of us are called, wherever we're at, to live that compassion to those in our lives, in our community, and in our sphere. And so my question for you today is this. As you hear from God's word that he is a God of compassion, executing righteousness and justice, and as you heard the example of David and Abby, And as you think about in your own life ways that you've experienced compassion, here's the question I want to leave you with today. How is God calling you, even right now, to execute acts of justice and righteousness for the oppressed? How is God calling you to stand for the marginalized, to speak up for the voiceless, to visit the sick and the prisoner, to clothe the naked, to feed the hungry, or to give water to the thirsty. How is God calling you, even maybe right now, to reflect and mirror the compassion that he's given to you, to those around you?